Hello and welcome to Potshot. I'm Alex Towles, and this is a very different kind of potshot to the kind of things we've been putting out recently. So let's start off by saying a massive thank you to everyone who's been listening to and sharing and enjoying our snapshot series about our signings that we've gotten done this window. Uh, it's been really cool to see the reception that those have got and it's been really really nice so thank you for listening thank you for enjoying them and please do keep sharing them because it makes me happy um but this is going to be a very different podcast instead of looking ahead to the exciting future of the arsenal we're going to be taking a nostalgia trip and looking back on the emirates era and thinking about some players that have been perhaps a bit misunderstood whether they've been overrated or underrated, we're going to talk about the players who you have got wrong. To do so, I am joined by two men who can talk about Arsenal for fucking ages, and I know because we've tried to record this before, and we did. First of all, we've got Sam Oliver. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Very good, mate. Thanks for having me on. No worries whatsoever. How many Twitter accounts are you on at this point? Um, uh, uh, a dozen, I'd say about about that. Yeah, I've been on it for a long time, and I, I, uh, I run hot towels. I run hot, so I guess I spend it a lot. Good to hear. But, you know. And our second guest for today is Kian. Kian, how does it feel to be one of the final viral sensations of a dying platform? Feels good. I think I'll always be, you know, in people's minds now when they think of. The last days of Twitter, that tweet will be rattling around their head. So it's good. Didn't get any money from it though. So no, you're gonna need to sign up. That's because you're not to, on uh, Twitter Blue. I know. You've got to be much more. You'll be much more up. racist to get money from Twitter. <laughs> I think. Yeah. If any of you didn't understand that reference, Kian was the one that tweeted that tweet about the Barbie house. Wasn't even that funny, but people. He advocated. Bo- he advocated bombing. You know, that's really what he did. Let's <laughs> let, let's not beat around the bush. I did. Haven't. A wanted terrorist in the podcast, which is a very exciting opportunity. He is on the FBI's most wanted list, but all we want him for is his opinions on the Arsenal. So, well, Bin Laden was a gooner, wasn't he? So he's a following good podcast. And with with that, I think you can understand that this is a very different podcast to the Snapshot series, which is why we keep the Snapshot series as a separate little mini-series off to the side. <laughs> The vibes are so different. I hope you're enjoying this. Let's get into this then. We are going to do eight players. Sam and Kean have brought forward four each, who we will discuss in detail, and then we'll throw out some honourable mentions at the end. These are, to be absolutely clear, the Emirates-era players that you have got wrong. So don't be coming in and shouting about how much we've disrespected David Platt or something. I don't know. Let's start with Kian. Kian, who's your first name? My first name is Alex Wobi. Still one of my favourite Hayland graduates. And yeah, I think he just got a very unfortunate rep from the wider fan base when the team started struggling a bit. And yeah, I think he's a much better player than people realise. What what did you see in Awobi that others didn't? I think what he offered was maybe not as flashy as some other wingers at the same time that we're playing for other teams, people were trying to compare him to because he wasn't like a prolific goal scorer or the most creative on his own. But I think the moment he left and 
we had that season where no one could keep the ball high up. I think it was pretty obvious what he offered. Um, he was just a very smart player. He always kind of knew where to be. He worked hard. Um, I think in his last season for us, he was in the top five for progressive carries and passes, um, both received passes and actually making the passes. I think he was just a very helpful guy to have when you're trying to get up to pitch. Um, and I think we definitely missed that when he was gone. Yeah, I'm glad Keane brought him up because I absolutely love, but still love Alex Awobi. I think there was a couple of things. I think, like Keane said, he wasn't, I mean, for a start, he was an attacking player that didn't score very much. That inevitably gets you some stick, mostly unfair, because that was never what we had him for. He was always at his best when we were playing like a front a front three with a striker. Um, sorry, 4-2-3-1, rather. On the left of that, um, so he could sort of just occupy that space between the fullback and the centre-back. He was so good to watch. Um, my favourite, like, snippet of him was when he beat Chelsea 3-0 in the Conte season where they won the league. That third goal where he played, um, it was... Walcott actually scored it. And a good example because he didn't get a goal or an assist for it. But it's some great interplay that Wobby was like, the main part of. Um, he put in Bellerin, didn't he? That was it. Um, I also think he kind of... He got a rough end because he came through around the time suddenly wide players were everyone's main goal-scoring threat. And then we've got this one that doesn't really score very much. We think, oh, crap. Uh, and people also increasingly are viewing football through fantasy football, right? Through FPL. That way he doesn't get me points. What the fuck? <laughs> shut up. That's not really how it is. Um, I think he's finally getting his props at Everton. Um, their fans really like him. I think he created uh, from the other 14, if you like. So not the big six. Created the most open play chance in the league last season with a bad supporting cast. So mm, Extremely. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, because we, we always used him as like a winger or as a 10. But at Everton, he's been transformed into more of a midfielder. Is that something, Kian, that you foresaw for him when he was an Arsenal player? Or do you think this is just, he's been reinvented at Goodison Park? I think so. I think it was always kind of obvious that he's a player that needs the ball and should be on the ball as much as possible because of his skill set, I think. Just the way he brings others into the game, he's not a guy you want, you know, making off the ball runs for you. You want him looking for players and trying to get the ball up the field. I think at a team like Everton, with the lack of quality they have as well, he kind of has taken on such a big role for them. And I think the quality gap between him and his teammates is is pretty stark sometimes. Um, yeah, I think he's just a very versatile player. I think he plays there for Nigeria sometimes too. Um so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that was a natural step for him. Sam, do you have any thoughts on Awobi in midfield? Um, I think it suited him really well because he's playing like wing back sometimes, really isn't him. Um, but I'm glad he's finally found his role there. Um, also, I also want to say, I don't really think we wanted to really like sell him. Yeah. It wasn't that no, we got to get rid of this guy. It was, we spent a lot of money. It was it was definitely a good offer. Like. Mm. Um, and so, so, but it was sad. I didn't think anyone in the club was really, oh, he's not good enough. Like, get him out now. It was, we spent a lot of money. Um, so yeah, kind of Pepe's fault, really. Yeah. <laughs> it always is. We'd probably be a better, <laughs> be in a better place now if we didn't have Nico Pepe, but we did have. I, I would, I would mentally certainly be in a better place. <laughs> That's as much as I can say. And I think you'd actually, well, not Pepe. <laughs> Awobi would fit us quite well, I think, at the moment. Obviously, yes. he's, he's gone now and you can't wish him back too much, but I think the way we play would suit him down to the ground. And I think when you look at guys like 
the role that Grealish plays for City and he costs 100 million and the praise he gets for, I think, pretty much doing very similar work yeah. to what Awobi was doing for us. Um, I think it was just unfortunate for him that he was in a team that was declining and he was one of the scapegoats for that. So, I 100% agree on the um, the Grealish point, actually. Like what City fans try. And Grealish isn't like a, I'm not saying bad player at all, but like people talk about, oh, he's worth it because of the control in the final third. He keeps the ball brings others like that's that's fucking Alex Awobi mate that's how you describe it like I don't I don't really ever see I think the only way I'd say Grealish is clearly better is he's stronger like harder to knock off the ball which is an attribute I'm not saying it's not but I wouldn't say there's like a million miles apart from them as players for sure and Grealish is in the press widely regarded to have been a good signing at 100 million so we're not here to talk about Grealish but it's very interesting to see how people have gone from saying like, oh, he's shite because he's not getting goals and assists to, oh, he's amazing, even though he doesn't get goals and assists. It's entirely because he's at City who are doing well. Because like that first season at City, people thought he was struggling because he wasn't getting the goal involvements. And now like this kind of, the media narrative has flipped to, oh, you're wrong for thinking that he's not doing as much with his goal involvements. Yeah. Yeah. The lack of goal involvements. So, yeah. Give give Alex Oibi his flowers. If he if he was here for us, he'd be doing the same, and we'd love him for it. <laughs> Sam, who is your first name? Who everyone gets wrong? Jens Lehmann. So I'm slightly pushing Emirates era. Although not, he did play for us a lot in the Emirates era. So I think that's fine. You know, uh, I don't think he was a very good goalkeeper. Um, oh. Is basically the long and short of it. Um, if, I mean, if you look back at basically any game we lost from that period or didn't do well. He's usually making a clangor. And he, I'm not saying he was like used to, because he had some big moments for us. Now the Champions League final run, he was nuts. Uh, FA Cup final United, great. But so many games, he would make huge clangers. Like people think guys like Chesney and Ramsdale are like error prone. Like, Layman, it was so much worse. Um, like the Chelsea game, for example, where in 03, 04, we went to the Champions League. Layman huge clangor for the first goal. Um, and there are so many examples of him just not really fun. It's, no, it's never like one type of error. Like he had a certain uh, week at claiming crosses or near post. He was just so, his style was so driven by his mentality that would lead to the huge moments he had, but also the complete and utter fuck-ups like the Champions League final, um, like uh, the Champions League against Bayern as well, I four or five did badly. Um... So just a super inconsistent keeper that I think really benefits from having been signed to an amazing team when he did. Um, I think if we'd signed him at that same level in like 2008, he wouldn't be that much better regarded than like our other banter keepers from that time. Um, I think largely a beneficiary of the team he was in. He came over old and he didn't have a particularly good rep in Germany or Italy where he played. He was just an old, okay keeper and that was really it. Um... Funny guy came back when he was forty-one, to be- and he nearly got sent off that game. If you remember, he took down a Blackpool player who went clean through, and he could have got sent off. It was actually similar to his one in the Champions League final. Um, so that was insane. Always a good advisor character, um, but I just think that style where you're so—it's so much in your own head about if you're going to do good or bad—is very unnerving. And yeah, I think probably over overhyped because of just when he was around. In my view, 
Layman, uh, and I don't mean to make you feel old here, Sam, but Layman was a bit before my time as an Arsenal fan. Uh, while he was in his prime, I was too busy trying not to get battered 15-0 as a member of Watch It Town under eights. Uh, so I can't really have an opinion on this. Kian, do you have many memories of Layman? I do. I would have been quite young as well. Just a little bit younger, maybe, but... So I would think... I, can I just say? Like, looking back, I'm not like 45. Like, I'm talking looking back and stuff. Like We can look at highlights. <laughs> Yes. Um, so I think for him, because he was in the Invincible side, which was like one of the most insane collection of players ever. And like their mentality was just insane. Like they're all just absolutely mental competitors. I think that suited him down to the ground. And I think as the squad composition changed and got a bit younger and we stopped fighting for the top titles, I think, I don't know if he, if it slipped for him because he wasn't getting that push from others. But yeah, I think the decline was was pretty rapid. Um, he always had that weird thing with Almunia as well, which I probably wasn't great for either of them at any point. Um, so yeah, probably is a bit overrated. Hard to, I probably wouldn't be as harsh as Sam maybe, but yeah, maybe a bit more fondly remembered than he should be. The rose. I think also his. You go. <laughs> yeah, I'll DIY yeah, towel so it's not to say rose tinted glasses. Um, I think also just his general like wacky persona helps the rep. That kind of thing, fans love it and it helps. Um, yeah, I know I've been saying he was an abomination of a keeper. I'm saying he was a fine keeper who had big peaks but a lot of very bad lows. Um, and yeah, Keane's point on the fall off is very true because he was very good in our first season of the Emirates, 06 07. And I don't know if you remember. First two games of 7 8 he made two absolutely disgusting fucking howlers. The first one was against Fulham, where he went to play a pass, and he passed it into his standing leg and fell over, and David Healy scored. And then at Ewood Park, he let one in from about 30 yards straight at him, and he just spooned it in, and then David Bentley did the wanker sign in his face and celebrated at him, which you can't allow to be happening, really. You can't allow David Bentley to be doing that to you. No. <laughs> And yeah, just there was stuff like I actually went for a stadium tour and I got told a story about how there's like a bell in the changing room that rings when it's time to go out. And Layman asked for it to be moved to the other side of the dressing room because it would like distract his like mental focus. And then when it got dropped, it was then then his locker changed and he was back in the subs bit. Not a locker, his like changing part where the sub bit is. So the bell was there and he's like, oh, can you move it again? They're like, no, you're on the fucking bench. And I'm moving it for you now. You're not going to play. Um, and the whole, like, remember the thing with him and Oliver Kahn at 2006 as well? Like, their immense beef. So I just, yeah, just a bit of a nutcase, which leads to entertainment and fun moments, but not any kind of stability or security, really. I think you can draw some parallels here to our current nutcase goalkeeper, Mr. Aaron Wamsdale. Uh for those such as myself that don't really have a memory of Lehman, how would you compare him to our current keeper, Sam? Um, I think the hardest thing to do is because the way they, how they play on the ball is so unbelievably different nowadays. Like, for example, the Ramsdale era against Southampton at the Emirates, that wouldn't happen to Lehman because you just fucking punt at 65 yards. Um, so I think Ramsdale's errors that he does make are more understandable because it's out of the style we play and how he has to keep to play for Arsenal now rather than just weird mental errors and f- about the fundamentals of keeping balls in the back of the net uh, that Lehman would have. So I'd say 
Ramsdale, I'd say they're both on the erratic keeper scale, but I'd say Lehman's further along. Um, so I wouldn't have, I would have both Ramsdale and Chesney over Lehman if we're doing like that era Arsenal goalkeeping. Um, so yeah, huh. I'd say they're both, both erratic. I'd rather have Wammers. Fair play. Fair play. Kian, who's your second name? My second name is another academy graduate, Hector Bellerin. Um, I think he became such a a figure of hate from kind of the worst parts of the Arsenal fan base for various reasons. Um, but at his peak, he was just electric. Like the pace was one thing, but skill on the ball and the way he would overlap with our wingers and stuff. He was just a demon down that right hand side. Um, and I think it was a lot better defensively than people thought. Cause I think sometimes when people see a fullback who's very fast and likes to press forward, they think, Oh, he must be crap going, going backwards. But I don't think that was the case at all. Obviously injuries really, really killed him. Um, he was just, just got so unlucky. And I think again, because his Arsenal career ended with him in his worst form, people tend to associate that with the rest of his career. But for me, he was, he was absolutely excellent and obviously an amazing person and makes me sad that he's no longer associated with the club because I think he's the exact type of guy that you want in a squad. Yeah, his run from when he broke through at not the end of fourteen fifteen, sort of in the middle of fourteen fifteen, to when he got injured in sixteen seventeen, uh, he was fucking unbelievable, absolutely incredible. I'm really glad Keane brought him up. Uh, a friend of ours, um, Mr. Oscar Wood, God bless him, a while ago said he was making an Aaron Ramsey compilation from that time, and he said what stuck out from that comp was still how good Hector Bellerin looked. Um, like Keane said, absolutely dominant on the right hand side. I think as well, just like what Keen was saying again, spot on about how if you're good going forward, people assume want to be defending. I even think it goes take it almost further out. People look at like a pretty Spaniard with, let's face it, quite often stupid hair and it does catwalks and think, oh, he was a proper like competitor, very tough, just had everything he wanted in a modern fullback. Um, the best example I think is everyone reposts that thing where Douglas, Co- Douglas Costa yeah. skinned him at the. I was I mean, just Bella and fucking. About this. Yeah, Bellerin absolutely locked him down that game. And the assist for the second goal, Bellerin fucking... St- I think it's Costa, he nicks the ball off, isn't it? Yeah. Nicks the ball off him, storms past one of those centre-backs, puts in a great cross. Uh, he was a fantastic player. Um, and like you said, at a time where we're all a bit... I don't really like any footballers. Bellerin seems like a great dude. Yeah, love him to bits. Thank you for mentioning Kian. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> so, salute and crying crying big man tears over <laughs> the downfall of Hector Bellerin. Oh, what a player. I He's really, really, like, great two-way fullback, as you said. Like, bit underrated for his defensive work, I, I think. And so so I, I, don't, I haven't seen many people underrating him that much really I, I don't know like maybe that's just because i've tailored my twitter timeline really well but all i've ever seen is love for hector bellerin and like if people are criticizing his later form it's more more out of sadness at the loss of the player he was than i shit kind of thing i think that's definitely that's definitely a curated twitter timeline thing i think like a lot of people like by the end were like not just saying, oh, he's shitting, or exaggerating how bad he was even back then, but also, like, just not rating him and not giving him fair cop and stuff. 
because uh, you've got to remember as well, we all, yeah, everyone creates their Twitter timeline and the whole echo chamber thing. It's not entirely true, but for football, it definitely people do stay in their clusters, I think. So, yeah, a mm. lot of scumbags don't rate him, which is a fucking disgrace. Mm. Yeah, and people would say really like genuinely nasty stuff about him because he was a vegan and all that kind of stuff and you know imply that that had any real impact on a guy who had just a string of really bad injuries um you know people because he was politically active and stuff people tend to take a dislike to that and then they find any excuse to to tear someone down um but back to positive on him i think what i really liked was when debushi got injured he was just kind of thrown in without much senior football before that at all. And he just hit the ground running so well. And I think sometimes with academy players, it's the ones that are most hyped that end up not making it. But he was one of those ones that everyone knew coming up that he was going to be making the team. Um, and he didn't let us down at all. I love the way he just came in. And once he was in, Debushi pretty much never had a sniff again because he just couldn't force him out of the team. He was just too good. Yeah, I think Debushi literally played about 20 league games for Arsenal, which I think. It says something about Debushi, but also about Bellerin, because one of his first games for us was an away game at Dortmund. We got absolutely fucking battered. We lost, I think, 2-0, but we got absolutely hammered. And it was what it was in 14-15, and we were set up really badly. It was actually Arteta was left alone in defensive midfield. We got totally overrun. We got killed. And Bell- like every other player that game, Bellerin struggled, but it's a youth kid, so you think, oh, man, like... and. From then, that didn't seem to phase him at all. He was just fucking unreal for ages after that. Um, yeah, great mentality, great bloke. God bless. Sam, who's your next name? So next one, um, I've gone for Naughty's player that I don't think was amazing, but definitely underrated, especially with hindsight. And that is uh, Johan Giroud. Um, not the Giroud Giroud that people thought I was going to say, probably. But um, so... From our banter era, or whatever you want to call it, banter era. Banter era. Um, people always like group in like the shite defenders we had, so guys like Squalacci, Andre Santos. And then because people tend to group with hindsight, players were either shit or great with nothing in between, people will throw some other stupid names in that weren't shit at all. Um, and Johan Jury is definitely one of them. Um, spent a long time as a good defender for us. Um we signed him, I think, from the same team we got Senderos in Switzerland. Um, and for ages, he looked like a really good player. Um, he had some bad injury luck. Um, but it was he had a really good partnership with Koscielny, um in 10-11. Um, in um, and that kind of looked like it was going to be our future for a while. And then he got a bad injury. Um, I rewatched the game we beat Barca 2-1 um, a while back. And he was really good, Giroud, because we had to play. When you play those terrifying pet Barca teams you were to play a really high line because they were going to have so much of the boy you had to keep pressure on the midfield and stuff so it was horrifying to defend against because you had so much it was before like sweeper keepers really they were a thing but it was just Neuer being a weirdo basically so it was horrifying to play against and defend against Johan Jura was fucking great um, and he had a really really good run for us and he kind of it was a mixed combination of injuries so out the team and then um he just didn't really get a place back. He then played fullback for a bit and got fucking roasted by Nanny and that really hurt his rep. And then I think his... I just... Yeah, I feel people... This is... People tend to just group players as good or shit, basically. They're not thinking about it too hard. And Drew is always in the shit camp and he really wasn't. 
he was actually a very good defender. I think we see the modern game quite well because he had the pace to defend wide areas. He was decent enough on the ball. And he had a good career after us. He was captain of Hamburg for a while. He was a good good defender. Stop slandering Big Johan. <laughs> Loves Arsenal. Always on our fucking Instagram. Oh, any fucking thing we post. He wants that Robert Perez like free gym treatment, <laughs> which I'm pushing it. But yeah, I think it's unfairly maligned. Um, good defender. Crack on. Big up Johan. Not not to fact check you, Sam, but uh, yeah, pro- pro- proceeds to fact check. Yeah, proceeds to fact check. <laughs> um, Juru came through at Etoile Carouge in Switzerland, where um, Senderos came through at Servette. So different clubs, but you were right. I would like came to apologise to all representatives of Etoile Carouge that are listening, and I apologise for not giving you credit to your great organisation, which definitely exists and is real. <laughs> um, the podcast has been banned yeah. in Switzerland. Yeah. I didn't really, yeah. He's only he's only thirty six, which feels quite young for a player. Who I think he got he, he, he a, lot, a lot of injuries issues, which is kind of the story of a lot of decent players from around that time. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember he went alone to Birmingham under like Alex McLeish, which I thought was a really weird like match. Um, I think it was McLeish. I might get a fact check again. It might have been a bit earlier, but yeah. Um, but yeah, just when I think that like, gets lumped in with your Squalachis, who genuinely was hideous um, and it doesn't deserve it at all. Kim, what did you make of Juru? I quite liked him too. My biggest memory of him is we played Chelsea, I think, in like December 2010. And that was kind of the era where Drogba used to just always destroy us. And he was one of the only centre-backs of the time to actually deal with him really, really well. I think we won 3-1 because um, he was quite physical and I don't think Drogba could really use his usual strengths against him um, and then I think pretty soon after that after the Barcelona game I think he got another injury and that was kind of it for him the run as a right back didn't really work for anyone but yeah he was he was pretty solid I think yeah you're definitely right that he gets lumped in unfairly with with others and he was definitely significantly better than that yeah any more on jury? No, love you, Johan. Big up. Okay, and so we're halfway through now. Four players down, four players to go. Kian, who's next? So I'm going to switch to a more negative spin, and my next player is Samir Nasri, who I think gets a bit overrated. Um, I think, like Sam was saying with Giroud, I think he gets lumped in with Fabregas a bit, whereas I think Fabregas was a significantly better player. I think Nasri's only real run of consistency was first half of 10-11. And then once kind of January hit, I think he knew he wanted to leave and felt like he just stopped trying, basically. Um, you know, he was he was very good on his day, but he always seemed to score in bursts. Like, a, like that Fulham game, he scored two great goals. But he would just have those games where he's unplayable and you think, right, this is it, he's going to kick on, he's going to kick on. But then to have another five or six games where he goes quiet again and he... He kind of lets others take on responsibility instead of going for it himself. I think that's reflected in his career after Arsenal. Again, had some good games for City, but never really lived up to the money that was paid and the hype around him. Yeah, I agree that he probably a beneficiary also the football he played at the time. Because he played some really good football in 10-11, which he was certainly a part of. Um, but you're right, he was at Arsenal for three seasons. His first two weren't bad, but he wasn't regarded as you know, a big superstar or anything like that. Um, and was lucky he was 
his peak for us was around the time City were throwing daft money at fucking anyone. Um, and I think, I think, I remember when he retired, there was an article, I think it was Athletic, but I can't remember. Um, it's talking about how his story is, it's one of unfilled potential, but he still played like 40 times for France, won titles. We come to em- they were trying to emphasize how good he was, mm. but also how good he could have been. Because he was never the best trainer and stuff. Um, stuff like that. Um, I think he loved football, the game, more than like the job. Uh, definitely a good, yeah, definitely a good player, but Keane was spot on when he gets lumped in with Fabregas and it's, they made him playing different sports at the time. Fabregas was like light years ahead of him as a player. I, I remember Nasri for like the really, really good moments, which I suppose makes sense because I was 10 at the time. So <laughs> don't really remember all the shite because I wasn't really watching all the shite. Um, so I suppose my memory of Nasri is one that's more tinted by rose tinted glasses, but I remember him being pretty good. Good to hear that I was wrong. Which <laughs> often I, I don't think I don't think saying he wasn't like pretty good, but that's basically it, right? Mm. He wasn't like a superstar. No, no, and I think that's reflected by his career. Really, he was a good player. That also, yeah, players that play a nice way get over, which is fine to an extent. We all like aesthetic football, but. Yeah, there's a reason why. I think Pep torpedoed him out of City like as soon as he got there, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I'm trying to press. So I'm trying to press. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I think he was kind of symptomatic of that era a bit as well. I, like he wasn't really a guy that would get you going when things were really, really tough, and he tended to be a bit sulky sometimes too. So, like, as a person, well, not as a person, but you know what I mean, as a as a character in the team, he was never really my favourite. Um, just think he kind of lacked that that drive that maybe Cesc had. Yeah, I think he definitely did. Mm. I mean, Fabregas is like obsessed with football. Yeah. I think a lot less footballers are than people realise mm. that they like it, and it's but it's fundamentally their job. And they like not everyone's Ben White. Like they do take an interest, but not many are Fabregas either. Where I mean, look how Fabregas spent his twilight years. He went to. Monaco then went to Serie B and is now retired. Like, he just loved playing at a good level. Um, also wanted to, I presume, be live in Monaco and then Como. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah, not bad. Okay, Sam. Well, who is your third player? I can count three. Yes, that's excellent. You can count to three. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, next player, and I don't want to get yelled at, but I might, is Abu Dhabi. Right. Don't look at me like that. 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 Both, I can see your eyes. Um, yeah, definitely one hampered by injury, but also wouldn't have been some superstar anyway, in my opinion. Um, Keen, don't look at me. He's going to kill me. Um, yeah, he actually played more for us at the start of his Arsenal career than people realise as well. Like he had injury issues ish. But he played nearly 200 times for us. Um, I think he had a few... I think he had like one 40-game season. So he had some level of consistency in his playing time. And had flashes of being a monstrous player, don't get me wrong. But also, I think, was more of a kind of 1-in-3 or 1-in-5 player than people remember in terms of when he played well. Um, I think at the start, it was kind of difficult for him as well because we'd sold Vieira in the summer. In that January, here comes another... 
six foot four French central midfielder. Um, oh my goodness, here we go. And he was actually a really different player to Vieira. Um, so I think at the start he got misprofiled a bit. They were both box to box, but Vieira was more sort of ball win and drive you up the pitch with his like dribbling and skill. Diaby, I think, was a bit more an offensive mind, more offensive minded box to box. Um, he never had like Vieira strength and stuff. So I think at the start he got a bit misprofiled. So that's part of the misrememberingness, not a word of it. And then obviously he had horrible injuries, and then. It's kind of like when the kid dies and everyone says they were going to be a lawyer when they probably wouldn't have. Um, he was like a very, he was a good player, but the the flashes were only ever just flashes, even when he was really fit. Is basically my point. Um, I think that's how it would have remained. But on his day, do not get me wrong, monstrous. That Liverpool game is not like people exaggerating. He was insane that game, and he had other really big moments. But yeah, I'm just not sure he ever would have put it together to be like a world class midfielder. In my opinion, don't yell at me. Kian, yell at him. I think you're a disgrace. I think you've <laughs> you smirched the name of a dead man. Um, it's not something I can get behind. I see your, your carefully weighed points and I raise you Anfield away um, yeah. when he was just magnificent. He was insane. Like you are probably right, but sometimes I just like to cling on to the rose-tinted glasses a bit and that performance was just nuts. Was that the last time you won at Anfield as well? Oh, fuck off, was it? No. Surely. Because it was the season after we beat them with the Van Persie volley and the Chesney yeah, double save. That. Season then, after that, we Orden got Pinalski. battered. Oh, I think God, it no. Shut the fuck up. Surely no. <laughs> no Arsenal last won a league match at Anfield in 2010. Don't keep 2012, saying. 2012. 2012, yeah, 20, there you go. 20, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah he, I, I will so that say that. He, the, the flashes were amazing. That was, they weren't like like a great turn. He had games where he was monstrous. Um, but yeah, because I think he's interesting because he's misremembered in a couple of different ways. First, the kind of player he actually was, and then I think how good he kind of could have been. Um, he also, I think, has the claim for maybe the worst transfer move in history. Because after playing about 10 games in three years from in- injury, he signed for Marcello Bielsa's Marseille. Uh, so, like, 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 Abu, you've had like nine surgeries, buddy. Like, what are you doing? Don't like, back down. This, Double down. This, this, this man's going to kill you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think he played like, I think maybe under 10 times for Marseille. Wikipedia says five. That is under 10. It so is. I was, correct. Fact check that. Yeah. <laughs> um, like yeah, it's and also I'll also say the horrible tackle he had against Sunderland in I six I seven. I think it was I yeah it was a six oh five oh six oh five oh six is because Burkham yelled at him yeah I five oh six thank you. Um, that isn't actually it's bad injury. That isn't the one that really derailed him. He played a lot for us after that. After that, I think he had a couple of seasons he played over thirty games for us and one he had a forty. So he had a lot of football after that. It was others like later on and. Blessings can put it together. Um, but yeah, misremembered in a few ways, but remembered fondly, I still will say. Just wouldn't have won the Ballon d'Or. I apologise. I think you're right. It just feels like mm. kicking a dog. <laughs> I, I should have I should, I should have picked a dickhead. <laughs> I should have picked someone else. Yeah, uh, yeah Van Persie was shit. <laughs> 
Uh, Kian, who is your final suggestion? I've saved the best to last. One of my favourite ever Arsenal players, Mr. Theo Walcott. I think he gets remembered sometimes as someone who didn't fulfil his potential. And I think that is just insanity because what were people basing that off? I think the fact we bought him at 16, people expected him to be the new Henri and stuff when that was never really going to be realistic. Um, he scored 108 goals for us. Um, you know, there's not that many players who have done that for Arsenal. So it's a massive achievement. Um, the fact he kept his place in those Wenger teams for so many years just shows the quality he had. And I think he was such a nice antidote to like a lot of the neat, intricate players that we had. I think Theo at his best was just razor sharp. I loved his game, the way he could run off the ball and the little clever movements he'd do. Um, his finishing sometimes could be a bit off, but at his peak, again, he was absolutely deadly. Um, I think he was probably a joy for players to play with because of that. Um, so yeah, I think people like to think that he somehow didn't achieve his potential when I think he wrung every single bit of quality that he had. He became such a dangerous player. And yeah, I love him and I miss him. Yeah, yeah, agree. I really like him. Um, I think, yeah, what Keen was saying at the start about his career is right. Um, so he got signed a really quick player. Oh, he's on re. Like, oh my God. He's going to be like, there's a fucking chasm between not fulfilled potential and not being as good as Thierry fucking on re. <laughs> like, how many people since 2006 would you say are like Messi and Ronaldo are the only ones you probably like definitely 100% say probably, right? So I think that obviously insane, and the whole bollocks with him getting up to the World Cup squad when he was sixteen and not playing it like it was. I think at the start he got messed about a lot, um, but people also uh, that's why it's a really good suggestion from Kian. Not just underrate, but misremember what kind of player he was. He was razor sharp, and he was a really smart runner. Like the whole I remember Alan Hansen once said match of the day didn't have a football brain, and that was fucking bollocks. He definitely did. Any issues he had were usually he didn't often have like. Sometimes, don't yell at me, his composure wasn't the grace. Yeah, and like his just in his touch and stuff. If he had any issues, those were it. It was never or rarely like not making runs or not being clever. I remember that um in 09-010, we played that Barca Pep team for the first time, which incidentally Xavi that day might be the best performance I've ever seen live in my life. We were teeing all down and yeah, battered and Walcott dragged that game back for us. And Messi said afterwards, which is great, like they were fucking scared of Walcott and then when Walcott wasn't called up to the World Cup squad which was fucking bollocks well done Fabio for taking Tron Wright Phillips you prat um, <laughs> Messi then again was like he think and Messi now speaks about football he doesn't even seem to like watch it that much it was like I kind of didn't call him up um, so yeah he got messed about a lot by England as well which didn't help but yeah I, uh, I think really good player um, so direct which we miss a lot and he had that run also I think another thing doesn't help his best run for us was like kind of across two halves of different seasons. Yeah. He doesn't have one like 18 goal league season for us, um, which I think in terms of how good he was for a, a year period, he definitely could have done. And then it's like a nine ten to when he got, when he ACL'd um, in January, 2013 ACL against Spurs? Or 13, 2014, no, tw- 2014. Yeah. yeah. Spurs. From that period, he's very good. And then there's a shorter one from, um, I think, I like just t- started 12-13 to that ACL. Um, 
he was a seriously good player. Um, and also, yeah, he missed some of the cup wins as well, like the FA Cup win against Hull. He was um, he wasn't there. Him and Jenkinson trying to FaceTime him on the pitch and stuff. 2015, he scored. Um, 2017, was he injured? I'm not sure. Because he was actually quite good that season. I'm pretty sure he, yeah. he got double figures and goals that season. I can't remember. I don't think he started or anything. I no, he, he, he I didn't, didn't he... play very much in the 17-18 season. No, 16-17. Oh, 16-17, apologies. Um, was he? I think, I, think, I think he was injured. But, yeah, so he didn't get to be part of those moments as much as he should have been. Um, so I think just some things, some things fell unluckily for him. Um, also, great player for, like, a Champions League tie, like, tight, tense games like that. Like, you just need someone that, that's, that's there. You've seen this actually this season with Arsenal whenever Martinelli's out. Mm. When you lose that directness, when you're a team that may, mainly is prioritising keeping the ball and eventually breaking teams down, you'd still need the one, like, direct threat, which Walcott could really be for us. Mm. Actually, goes back to what we said about Awobi earlier. Awobi, Ozil, Walcott with Alexis or whoever, maybe Giroud, sometimes Mal up front, was such a good bounce because you had Ozil, Awobi, as kind of the guys keeping it taken, keeping the ball and looking creative. And Walcott is just your fucking direct runner to mm. get the shit out of defence. That was a really good front three to watch and really well bounced. Yeah, I think the Gabby comparison is is very good because I think with Gabby, I don't think he's our best attacker, but I think he's our most dangerous. And I think Theo was that for a lot of games. Um, as well, he just has so many cool moments, like the 5-2 against Spurs, because the narrative around him had kind of reached a fever pitch at that point and you could see it when he scores those goals like the pure relief and like the venom he hits those shots with um, he was just brilliant and that kind of that game really showed what he was all about because he dovetailed so well with Van Persie um, he was so dangerous and he just some of the goals he pulled off were very nice like that Newcastle hat-trick um, yeah. that goal against Shakhtar in the Champions League where he hits it about That's such 10 seconds too yeah. early but it's the most beautiful, like, P-roller around the keeper. It's one of the most gorgeous goals I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, when he pulls stuff off like that, he was just intoxicating to watch, I think. Um, he's the first Ash player I ever had on the back of my shirt as well. So, yeah, he'll always be fondly remembered by me. And, yeah, it's just crazy that the football brain narrative was so strong when I don't think a player like him could have made it if he didn't have a brilliant football brain because he mm. didn't have the kind of intricate dribbling or intricate passing that some of the players around him did he really relied on the pace and how he used that pace to get past defenders even look at the goal he scored against us for Southampton like that was such a classic yeah. Walcott run and finish yeah um so yeah love Theo yeah people all, the whole football brain thing as well people think oh he was quick though so I didn't have to think like, yeah Usain Bolt looked out of his depth <laughs> at soccer aid like you need more like pace is not just fucking enough yeah and he utilised it incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, my memory is bad, so I can't pluck games out of the ether and say, oh, I remember him being amazing in X fixture, I remember at Y goal, but I do remember the feeling that watching Theo Walcott gave me, just like the excitement of seeing him go through on goal. Um, the periods where that that like year period that calendar year where he was amazing like it was so so fun absolutely electric 
And also, and this is entirely unrelated, one of my earliest memories that is still there in my brain is when a couple blokes came round to fit, fit a skybox in my parents' house. I must, I can't have been any older than eight. And one of these blokes looked a dead ringer for Theo Walcott. And I remember telling him to his face, you look like Theo Walcott. <laughs> he probably didn't look anything like Theo Walcott. But I, I, eight-year-old me told him he looked like Theo Walcott. And I, for some reason, I remember that. No idea why that's still around in my brain. <laughs> but it is. And that's the power of Theo Walcott. I will say as well, one thing that I like about Theo as a positive is he signed a contract for us at a time when literally everyone left us every three seconds. And yes. he was one of the good players that actually stayed. So I think he deserves some credit for that too. 100%. Absolutely. Sam. Towels. Who is your final player? So my final player is one that I don't particularly love or even rate massively. But I think the reasons they're misremembered is quite interesting. So my last player is the much maligned Danielson. So I think he's obviously... Um, a lot of reasons he's remembered badly. Part of them is his career at Arsenal did end badly. He basically lost interest, didn't keep fit. Um, I think that profile of player is... even If he was about three years later at his peak, um, say four or five years later, actually, he would have been rated ten times higher. Because he was one of those midfielders that wouldn't score or assist, would you know, do enough defensively, but their main thing was constantly getting on the ball and constantly playing forward passes. And this was before we all had Twitter and all new stats stuff and all knew, no one knew what the fuck a register was. Um, <laughs> they just thought it was what you clinked up when you bought something. Um, and I'm going to get quite specific here in Arsenal Twitter <laughs> lore. But do you remember the end of the 12-13 season this thing went viral praising oh, yeah. Michael Carrick <laughs> for having like the most. Yeah, Kian knows he's a veteran. <laughs> Towels are still in nappies. Uh, no, I, I um, think. When, when was this? The end of twelve thirteen. So oh Carrick yeah, no, said, I, I, th- this was five years before I was on Twitter. Scumbag. <laughs> so it's praising Carrick for having like the second most, uh, like touches, like progressive passes, pass completion, all that kind of midfield stuff. And Arsenal went nuts. Like Arteta's first. Like why? And Ramsey. Danielson would have been really and Ramsey, Antetta, yeah. Ramsey, Carrick on like all of the stats. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of player Danielson was. That would have been really high in all these metrics. I remember one. I think it was 0708. He had the most, um, the most touches and most passes of any player. But because it was before we all knew what the fuck scorecard was, literally, if he was playing that exact same way, but people used fucking scorecard which they don't advocate doing. But still, just seeing those metrics, he would have been rated totally differently because that profile just wasn't appreciated yet by your, your dads and your casuals. I spent many a school lunchtime defending Danielson because um, I rated him. He did, regrettably... I, he didn't really seem to like being a footballer and didn't like the pressure of it. Went back to Brazil. So I had a little look at his career after Arsenal. He went... Played for a lot of clubs... Returned to Europe one time in like 2019 or something. Does anyone want to guess what country in Europe he was playing in? Belarus. Greece. He was playing in Malta. Ooh. Uh, so that's a, and he wasn't that old. He was like, would have been like 32 or something. So he's I, still only 32. He's Jesus. only like 35 or 36 now. He was really young. God. 
That on me bollocks. Let me look at that. That didn't sound right in my head, you know. <laughs> He's 35. So he just peaked, re- peaked really early. He just didn't seem to massively enjoy being a footballer. Uh, which is saying, but I just think that profile of player was just not... It's not like football had moved a long way forward past how the average fan thought about it for a few years. And then tw- I think if Twitter was around, he'd inherit rated much higher because then people listened to the few tactical expert nerds and like, oh yeah, that makes sense why he's playing every fucking game and stuff. Um, so yeah, I just think he was a, ahead, ahead of his time. It's like he's giving him too much credit for what I actually think he was because he wasn't some visionary. But his profile, people didn't know how to rate or assess it yet, basically. If Potshot was started 10 years earlier, we would have fucking loved Danielson. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was... If Jorginho hated football and didn't enjoy it very much, hmm. something like that. Um, also, obviously, his career afterwards is terrible, so people don't rate him. But again, one that's kind of probably lumped in with our banter players and was good for a while. Um, and also, as well, so different to Flamini, and they would have occupied not similar roles, but both defense people think defense midfielders, same player. And everyone sees Flamini running about like a lunatic, like kicking people in the eyes and stuff. <laughs> and they see Danielson just playing nice forward passes. Um, so yeah, one, I think he's misremembered for interesting reasons more than actually loving him as a player. But I still wanted to mention it, House. That's all right. Kian, do you have many opinions on the player that was Danielson? Or still is, according to his Wikipedia page. Apparently he's still playing. <laughs> yeah, he was. he was fine, I think. The main criticism was he passed sideways, which I always just, my brain turns off as soon as someone says that, because it's just like, that's not a criticism. Like, players are allowed to pass it sideways. It's not that big of a deal. In fact, it's quite useful sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think people just had a, a bee in their bonnet about him because of that. It, it felt like he fell off, like, incredibly fast. Like, he was he trusted a lot, and then he just was not in the team I at think all. He, I think he got injured, and then was he never got that, that fit again. There's a famous game at Old Trafford where he got outpaced by the oh, ref, <laughs> on, and it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, um, and also I think probably not actually wrongly, um, a lot of like the Arsenal are soft type stuff, but that was bollocks. Danielson that probably was a fair enough thing to levy at him, um, mm-hmm. as evidenced by him not playing at a high level ever again. According to Twitter, his downfall coincided with the emergence of, and I quote, "teenage sensation Jack Wilshire." Yeah, yeah, during 10-11. And actually, Danielson's song Fabregas was quite a good midfield, actually. Yeah. Um, and again, I mentioned Flamini as well, who's kind of playing before. Um, again, Wilshire was like, rightly, like, just lauded like the Hale End kid. Arsenal's Academy hadn't produced like a big star in a while from back then. Um, so having Wilshire was obviously great. And then, yeah, fell off from that. Yeah, I think he had a good 0809, I think you said, with Fabregas. They had a nice little partnership going yeah, in the four four two. Um But yeah, I don't think we really missed him once he was gone. It was just... No, I know he didn't. I did quite like him when I was a kid for some reason as well, because I think for some reason that 0809 Anfield retro jersey that we had, um, I think he kind of suited that aesthetic very nicely. So that's kind of my main takeaway from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I said, just I think it's interesting why he was underrated more than actually loving him as yeah. a guy. Because I like, yeah, like you said, you can't always pass. Sometimes you have to pass sideways. If you always pass forwards, the ball you know goes out for a goal kick. You know, you have some element of control. Um, 
So yeah, I think especially if he was around, when would he say was the height of like Regista perversion? Everyone being a, probably when Pirlo was like yeah, it was like Euro twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. So, yeah, kinda, yeah, exactly yeah. the time period I was I was on about earlier. If he was doing that, then he'd be so much more rated. Been watched yeah. a Nielsen, watched a Nielsen. You see the whole game, watched the whole <laughs> yeah. like that kind of thing, and then didn't yeah. help himself by being lazy. Um, Maybe if he moved to Italy, like Jorginho did, get yeah. the citizenship. Could have been different. And that's that. That's our eight players who you were completely wrong about. Uh, let's list them off for posterity. Uh, Sam, who were yours? Oh, Christ, I can't remember things. No, it was uh, Jens Lehmann, Johan Giroud, um, Abu Dhabi, and Danielson. So, very strong late noughties theme. And Kian, who are yours? Mine were Alex Wobi, Hector Bellerin, Samir Nasri, and Theo Walker. And of course, we can't just leave you with those eight, because there were many, many more players than just eight who everyone is completely wrong about who played for Arsenal. So we do have a couple of honourable mentions. Sam, who are your honourable mentions? Olivier Giroud in the 15-16 season, overexceeded his XG, <laughs> Theo Walker, Alexis Sanchez, Meza Ozil, and Aaron Ramsey underperformed, all underperformed their XG that season. That's a fucking fact. So Giroud is... I have no more Shit. words to say. <laughs> is, is he overrated or underrated? I have no more words to say. <laughs> if he speaks, he's un- in Underrated towels, obviously. Put it together. Cool. That's That season's a complete myth, and I hate people misremembering it. I will stop talking because I go for a long time, and it's late. Kian, <laughs> who is your uh, honourable mention? Olivier Giroud was really bad. Didn't rate that guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, um, might be pushing it a little bit, but I think Ramsey sometimes a large portion of the fan base still can't get their heads around the player he was, and he is my favorite ass player of all time. I thought he was amazing, and people think because he scored goals that he wasn't very good defensively, but he was incredibly tactically versatile. Like he went from that kind of deep lying playmaker to pure box to box. He's playing right wing for a Wenger team, and people still somehow think that he's bad technically. Um, so yeah, if you think Aaron Ramsey is bad, you are a bad person. That's my professional opinion. Always underrated within the Emirates fans, which pissed me off. The yeah. crowd, I think, because he always tried to. He wasn't scared to do like weird flicks and shit when he thought it was mm. best. So people got annoyed, but yeah, great player. Did underperform his XG in the 15-16 season. <laughs> it won us two cup finals, though. So, so basically, me and Kean have used um, our honourable mentions to just spout our own personal agendas. Oh, yeah. Pretty absolutely. much, yeah. We, we've not taken this seriously at all, and we've hijacked this last bit of the podcast, and yeah. I apologise. I do not apologise. And I think that is the perfect note on which to end. Thank you, guys, <laughs> for coming on and indulging me for an hour educating me in the history of our proud football club and revealing to me that I know shit all about all of our players. Uh, if people want to find more of you, where can they do so? Kian, let's start with you. Yeah, so you can just find me on Twitter. It's at Bootcut Jeans. Bootcut G-E-N-E-S. And Sam, 
what is if people want to find more of you before your ne- latest Twitter account gets suspended, where can they find you? It's uh, a genuine outlaw is my current at. Um, but yeah, stay on your toes because it won't be that for long. Of course, you can also follow the Twitter. The no, of course, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter. <laughs> 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 can you? you can follow the tw- <laughs> <laughs> you can follow the Twitter on podcast <laughs> at Potshot Pod, uh, and we're on Threads as well. That's new. We're on Threads, so if you've decided to jump to the meta version of Twitter, then you can find us on Threads at Potshot Pod. We also have an Instagram because to make a thread, you have to make an Instagram. So follow us on Instagram. Will we post anything there? Maybe. Do any of us know enough about social media to make that work? Probably not. Other Twitter alternatives do exist. We're not on them yet, so I'm not going to talk about them on the podcast. Thank you to James Blake, who makes the music. The music you're listening to right now underneath me talking. He is at JW Blake on all good music platforms. Thank you to you for listening and for, once again, the excellent reception that we've got to the snapshot series thank you for sharing uh and if this is the first episode that's not a snapshot of pot shot that you've listened to i apologize thank you very much we'll see you on the next one cheers <laughs>